0: So then what made you to decide to leave the U.S. of A and come to Canada and set up Edison Financial? By the way, I love the name. I really wish I would have thought of the name because I'm a huge, you know, Thomas Edison fan, read his, you know, biographies and I could go off, but love the name. So what made you decide to do this? So I've lived
1: in Canada since 2014, moved over here. Was it for a girl? It's always for a girl, Scott. Yeah. So moved over. <laughs> Luckily, that girl became my wife. Two kids later, it's getting pretty serious.
0: The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation! Scott Peckford here. Today I have Beckham Merdita from Edison Financial. Really interesting conversation I have with him. You know, cool things about Edison Financial. They're a new entrant in the mortgage space, started by some of the guys from Rocket Mortgage and they've been growing like crazy. They started in March, 2020, basically when COVID happened, we were like, hey, guess what? They had eight employees. Now they're over 118 months later. They're growing like crazy and have taken a lot of the learning that they have done being the biggest lender in the US, biggest mortgage company and applying it in the Canadian space. So this is very exciting. I love talking to really smart people like Beckham because I always feel like, man, I'm taking notes or sharing me stuff, insights. And this is just a really cool conversation. Check out edisonfinancial.ca. Keep your eye on them. Those guys are going to be continuing to make waves. In the Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Ben McCabe on how to get a reverse mortgage done in 10 days or less. Crazy, right? So before we jump into this episode though, I wanna give a shout out to our title sponsor Finmo. So Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform that is very easy to use. The average mortgage broker saves 72 hours a year by using this technology. So as the client's filling out the app, it's figuring out what documents you need. It's also connects to the letter spotlight so you can search guidelines and rates. It's got smart submission notes and clients can upload documents. It's very, very slick. You can check out finmo.ca and the guys at Edison actually use the same platform. So it's pretty cool. They use the same platform and they are growing like crazy and they're a very technical forward thinking company. So check this out, this conversation I have with Beckham.
1: Hey Beckham, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. Hey, so tell me a little bit about yourself and how did you get into the mortgage business? Yeah, I'm the vice president of sales and business development for Edison Financial. I've been in the mortgage business since 2012. And if you've ever seen the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, when he basically says to Leonardo DiCaprio, if you show me a check for $80,000, I'll quit my job right now. I'll come work for you. I had a similar situation. I grew up in a family business. I was working for my dad. I had a friend who was working for Quicken Loans, now known as Rocket Mortgage in the U.S., And he kept saying, You need to come work with me. You need to come work with me. I'm making X amount of dollars per month, a lot less than 80,000, but to a 25 year old, the number sounded exciting. And he said, You know, join our team. I said, Show up to my parents' house, since you know my dad well. If you show me a check that has that amount of money written on it, I will actually quit working for my dad and I'll come work for you. Is that what you said to him? Dead on true story. This is before that movie ever even came out. And right there, I turned to my father. I said, dad, it's been great working with you, but that check is a heck of a lot bigger than you'll ever be able to pay me in a month. So I'm going to go work for Quicken Loans and Rocket Mortgage. And that started my career. So what was your first role there? So first I started as an associate banker, turned mortgage banker, turned team captain, turned director. Later, I moved from our retail channel, which is direct to consumer, over into our wholesale channel, which is now known as Rocket Pro TPO, and led the charge of growing out a national sales division that basically made it into the behemoth that it is today. And now they're running a great business over there, all that. So what is Rocket TPO? Just so somebody listening to this doesn't know what that means. What is that? It's a third party origination. So it'd be the equivalent of an MCAP or something here where they are going direct to broker to generate volume. So there's mortgage people in the US
0: using the Quicken Loans, Rocket Mortgage, as their funding but they work for the abc company right correct wholesale basically wholesaling correct wholesale okay. and are they the biggest wholesaler right now who's the biggest wholesaler
1: in the us second largest wholesaler uwm is currently the largest wholesaler overall volume rocket is the largest mortgage originator in the united states when you take into account direct to consumer and the wholesale what, channel
0: what percent of business does Rocket do of the total pie? So if the pie is 100%, what approximately, this is all
1: publicly traded, but you probably would have an idea on this. Yeah, it's approximately 9% with a target of 20% in the coming years. So a lot of growth initiatives are taking place right now since the uh, IPO in 2020 for growth. We're sort of the you know Canadian international foray into being able to make some of that happen as well. Right. Okay. So
0: you guys have the wholesale department, you 9% of the markets. Who's your biggest
1: competitor in the US? Like who would be the next biggest lender or biggest mortgage company? As far as origination goes, it's United Wholesale Mortgage, which is also a that's not lender. That's a wholesale
0: lender, but like- The uh, banks. Banks. The banks. Like Wells Fargo or somebody or- Wells Fargo, Bank of America, America. Chase, they're okay. all up there. Yeah. Okay, cool. So then what made you to decide to leave the US of a- and come to Canada and set up Edison Financial. By the so way, I've I love the in- name. I really wish I would have thought of the name because I'm a huge, you know, Thomas Edison fan, read his, you know, biographies and I could go off, but
1: love the name. So what made you decide to do this? So I've lived in Canada since 2014, moved over here. Was it I've for a girl? Been, it's always for a girl, Scott. Yeah. So <laughs> moved over. <laughs> Luckily, that girl became my wife. Two kids later, it's getting pretty serious. So been over here for about seven years now. But really it was in 2019 that our co-founder and president, Hash Abahosan, was at the time you know, working for Lendesk as a uh, chief financial officer and met with some of the leaders because at that time, Lendesk had been acquired and met with some of the leaders from Rocket Companies, including our chief revenue officer, Chad Weinbaum, and got together and started conversating about what it may look like to set up a mortgage business in Windsor, Ontario, started becoming the topic of discussion because it was just across the border from Detroit, it allowed us to you know, quickly get back and forth. And what we basically did was we leveraged the name that Hash had already come up with from trying to kick off this company in 2017. And we actually used that same company, the same name. We started this business with basically a new idea. And that was to take something that Rocket had created which is a really, really, really slick consumer facing model and bring that over to Canada. So we've been focused really on just digitizing the front end of the process, working with technology partners to try to create a new consumer experience. Right.
0: And then Rocket's obviously an investor in you guys, right? And so what made them decide to take a flyer on you guys as a startup in a new country? It's one thing, I mean, they're, you know, obviously they got growth plans for the U.S., but what do
1: you think made them decide to do that? First and foremost, I mean, I can't say exactly, but I would guess faith and leadership and then just market opportunity. You know, for those who are in the market, your audience is primarily brokers. we have seen volume just increase tremendously over the last couple of years. Now, we did not anticipate this type of growth in the market. You've got supply and demand. You've got COVID. You've got a lot of stuff going into what's creating the market right now in Canada. But for us, we just looked at it as a great opportunity It's a market of nearly 40 million people. In some areas, it's heavily concentrated with high volume. And really, we felt that the market was underserved in a lot of ways. There's a lot of old processes that are kind of ingrained in the market, and it's very segmented in a way. So, for instance, you have brokers who do what's best for brokers, you have digital platforms who are doing what's best for them and their businesses, you have lenders operating what's best for their businesses, you have lawyers, so you have all these other parties. but. I don't know that anyone has necessarily yet nailed the full end-to-end consumer experience. And that's when we started looking at it, even myself as a client getting my own mortgage in Canada in years past, seeing the whole market top to bottom from the eyes of a client and really trying to reimagine what that opportunity could look like if we really got it right.
0: So basically, you're taking the same blueprint that Rocket, Quicken used to build their consumer facing business and applying it to the Canadian market. So it leads me to my next question, which was how has what you learned in the U.S. market helped prepare you for Canada? So what do you think has helped you guys really prepare
1: for getting the company here? I think the greatest learnings that we've gotten from Rocket Mortgage in the U.S. is just the understanding of the consumer. What a lot of companies are doing right now is one of two things, and they're both great. One is a full digitization of the mortgage experience, so really just trying to create a really slick, you know, user interface, user experience through an application or through a website and trying to drive a full end-to-end website experience for their clients to go out and get their own mortgage. Mm-hmm. That's great. Rocket did that as well. Push button, get mortgage. It was a you know phenomenally impressive tool that was built and it's led to a lot of the success. And then you take the other side which is more the model Scott that you know you and I talk about which is the getting out there, right? Boots on the ground that model, hand-holding clients, still keeping it relationship-based. People tend to do one or the other pretty well if they're successful in this business. What Rocket has done extremely well and how they understand their consumers is that people still want both, right? They want to start digitally. They want to feel like it's technology first, but ultimately they want someone holding their hand throughout the entire process. And that's really what we're trying to build for the Canadian consumer as well. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So
0: Understanding the consumer is one of your biggest sort of insights. So can you give me an example of, you talked about that just a second, but they want to start digitally and then move. But is there any other kind of example you can give me of
1: just understanding the consumer? Yeah. So I think we've got a lot of really good insights on marketing, right? We've been marketing for years, 35 years as a company, about as old as I am really in the marketing space. It started with you know old initiatives of mortgage in a box and how you get to clients faster and make it easier for people something we talk about often is this this concept of walking through the front door of the business, right? So when you think about a storefront, right? Think about something where you're at, and you're out in BC, right? Yep. Storefront, owner of the shop pulls up, they park in the back, they walk through the back entrance, they get to work for the day, right? But the clients, they walk through the front of the business, and they get to see everything. So Looking at it from, you know, do they talk to a help desk person first? Like what are the insights that can be learned from every single touch point? And what we've really learned from our US partners, how clients feel every single step. How do they feel when they open the door? Is it creaky? How do they feel when they talk to the receptionist? How do they feel about the client service when they talk to this, you know, quote unquote representative or the agent that they're gonna be working with? Every single piece, And then really nailing it in a very segmented way. So that way you have a full funnel approach. Right. I always call it the customer journey. So
0: like from first contact to client for life, every single step. And you guys, I've seen a graphic once of, it's like a factory, what a loan looks like when it goes through Rocket Mortgage in terms of like, who's working on it, whether that gets, you know, income specialist an appraisal, like, you know, the whole sequence and the idea is just
1: to create a great experience for the client, but understanding every step of the process. So- And I've listened to enough of your podcast to understand that client for life. I love that you talk about that because I I think it's probably one of the biggest missed opportunities in the market, especially in Canada, given that it really is an annuity market, the mortgage, right? It's one, three, five-year terms, rarely 10. But when you look at that, I mean, so much goes into getting a client the first time around, how dare we let them escape us, right? Right. You have to continually stay with that journey. That is all part of the journey. It should never end. So, what is the big differences that you see though? So there's some similarities. Obviously,
0: consumers are consumers. And if you can make it easy, create a great experience, but what are the differences you see
1: between the Canadian and the US market? So many things. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I like to focus on the similarities in, you know, the economics are different in many ways. You know, we talked about the fact that you know, Canada, it's based on, you know, one, three, five-year terms, 10-year terms. It's you know, an annuity market, whereas in the united states it's often a 30-year fixed right or a 25-year fixed people are amortizing the mortgage and fully amortizing their term and then the rate is often locked in for the full 30 years that's very different than in canada but in many ways it actually the economies of the mortgage they work out to be the same right you're doing more transactions but i also think it's harder to stay with the client that long in the States, a client doesn't leave you until they raise their hand and tell you that they're leaving you. In Canada, as a broker, anyways, the client leaves you the second you send them off to the lender, right? So then it's on you to stick with that client for the long journey. And that's really the major difference. But I think in order to win in Canada long term, you talk about it often, Scott, that that's going to be one of the biggest tools for winning in this mortgage game long term is client acquisition and then holding on to those clients because. Client acquisition, as the years go on, is only going to get more expensive. There was a time when you know, getting your eyes on your business from Facebook and all these other social media tools was quite easy and quite cheap. The prices continue to go up. Clients expect more in order to be able to earn their business nowadays. So I look for that to be a moving trend here for years to come.
0: Right. So and then commission split, obviously, the amount of money in a deal is different In Canada and the US. So, I mean, on a 30 year amortization, 30 year term in the US, from my understanding, there's about 300 basis points total, depending on how it splits between the company and all the way down into Canada. There's not as many basis points on a typical loan, right? You got a shorter term. So, how does that factor into, you know, being successful in Canada versus the US? So,
1: I actually think they work out very similar to, you know, what I was saying was let's look at a five year term. You're going to do a mortgage for that client if you do it right you're going to do three mortgages inside of a 10-year period, right? Whereas in the States, somebody could take out a 30-year mortgage and they could sit on that same 30-year mortgage for the rest of their life, right? So you're thinking, oh, 300 basis points, that's a lot more fruitful. Well, you may never touch that mortgage again if they've got a fantastic mortgage and there's no need for them to change it. Whereas in Canada, you might make 100 basis points, you're making 100, 100, 100. It's the same 300 basis points over the same 10-year period, let's say. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And one of the things I've often thought about when I've got
0: buddies and even some of our coaches are from the U.S., it seems to me like there's more people required to do loans in the U.S. than in Canada. Is that correct or incorrect? Like, for instance, a guy like Jim Tralucas who will crush 750 mortgages with two people. I can't imagine that's even possible in the U.S. given just the extra paperwork required and disclosures. and Am I
1: out to lunch on that or does that sound right or what do you think? I know people who do it and have done it in the US under the same model, very similar to Jim's model from what I've read. So it's definitely doable. The US does require more work per mortgage, but there are also a lot of great technology tools that are in place that make things faster for people. So if you know how to leverage the technology to your advantage, fair enough. you stay in a very small window of the type of clients that you niche client where it's
0: always even Jim does that though. Jim's clients all fit same. If they don't fit, he's like they're gone. So like you can't do that kind of volume without being really niche. Yep. Okay. I want to ask you this. So you said that one of the things that you guys have been into paid advertising for 35 years and probably started back when it was flyers and you know everything else in between, how does the cost of client acquisition compare between Canada and the US? What have you noticed? It's very
1: similar. It's yeah. very similar, continually rising, as I mentioned, um, yeah. very similar in terms of what it costs to get a client the first time, very similar to the monetization over a 10 year period. So they're very similar business models. Canada continues to be more fruitful for mortgage brokers as the volume numbers continue to go up, price of housing just continues to rise. And there's nothing to suggest that, you know, housing is going to be more affordable in the immediate to near term. So we're really watching the cost of client acquisition right now, but I think it's par for the course in terms of, you know, us Canada and what's to be expected for years to come. Right. How about tech tools? So, like, what do you also notice? Because I know there's certain
0: technologies, like one of my buddies who's he buys online leads, calls them aggressively, you know, four times in the first day. And when he pulls in credit, he knows that four to five people are going to call that person the next day because you can actually get data on who applied for mortgages in the last 24 hours. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist in Canada. So, how do you compare the tech from Canada to the US? Because there's certain things, maybe it's a privacy thing, but there seems to be more. Data
1: available to U.S. people than Canadian. Is that right? Incorrect. What do you think? I think Canada's more regulated, for sure, in terms of data protection for the consumer. But I don't think it's a bad thing either, right? You probably don't want to receive no 18 calls a day, and then <laughs> after you pull get, after you pull credit, <laughs> and then get put into somebody else's dialer, and then they call 18 calls a day, and I've got four mortgage companies calling you, and it just creates a whole mess. So. I think the U.S. is not necessarily ahead technologically in that perspective. It exists in Canada, but there are more consumer protection laws in place that prevent that stuff from happening. It's probably a good thing at the end of the day for the consumer.
0: Right. That seems a little excessive, I know. But there are some certain tech tools that seem to work because you can aggregate this data that you can't get easily access to. There are some tools that are available to the U.S. side that we don't have here.
1: So question one, when did you launch? And then how have you guys grown since then? We launched March of 2020, March 1st of 2020. Many people remember that famous time because 12, 15 days later, the country basically gets shut down. We got into an office, we got licensed, and then we all went home. We continue to work from home. And over that period, which we started with a team of eight, you know, a little bit more than a year and a half ago, our team is now over 100 team members, almost 60 of them are agents. So we just have continued to scale. That's probably one of the things that we're most proud of is just our ability to you know, persevere and grow a business through a pandemic. When we started this business, we did not do it with the idea of being a fully digital remote brokerage. We planned on being you know, more in the office, but we were able to pivot really fast and it in some ways just fit our model. Like we were able to just continue doing business. As so is it, are you guys actually. fully remote now or do you have everybody come into offices? Yes and yes. So we do both. So we have an office in Windsor, Ontario. About 65% of our team members right now are based in our Windsor office. But then we have a Vancouver office and we hire remote as well.
0: Okay. So you probably heard Better Mortgage. They let go 900 people on Zoom. I don't know if you read this, but it was pretty crazy. So, okay, if you're on this call, that means you are no longer working here. Thank you for your service. (laughs) Now, the thing is, is that they were an 85% refi shop. And it kind of makes sense with rates going up that that's going to be a problem. I read that they have been losing money the last few months, and so it sucks. But So we don't mean that big, but do you think that it's possible that you could see you know, can, mass massive.
1: It's really historically a purchase mortgage market anyways, right? Because of the way that penalties. mortgages are done. Yeah, penalties, terms, right? like prepayment privileges. In the States, you don't have to pay a prepayment privilege to break your mortgage. So you can refi at any time. You get slight dips in rates. And- the numbers make sense, right? You can get 30, 40 basis points cheaper. There's no penalty to break it. Why wouldn't you refinance, right. right? As long as rates keep going down, refi opens up. In Canada, it's much more of a debt consolidation refinance market. It's much more of a debt vehicle in that you know people want to restructure. So I think that we'll continue to have strong opportunities in the refinance market, but I just continue to believe in the purchase market in Canada and continue to see growth as hopefully more supply becomes available. And you know, one thing that we've done to really try to capture that market is come up with something called a verified approval, which is basically a way that we guarantee confidence in a buyer to go out and make an offer by putting a money-backed guarantee behind it. So we actually will do an in-house underwriting on our brokerage side and guarantee clients a $1,000 if they can't close after going out and making an offer and getting a firm sale on a property. Mm -hmm. Right, interesting. What percent of your business is refi versus purchase? It's changing right now pretty quickly with the rates, but we're still roughly 60 to 70% refinance right now. Okay, 60 to 70% refinance. So what are your goals for Edison? Where do you guys want to be in three years? We want to be a great asset to the consumer. It's funny that we don't talk about that a lot. What we focus on quite often it's just revolutionizing the experience, where that gets us. I'm not exactly sure. I know that if we do the right things, my clients day in, day out, we continue to leverage our technology, build up our teams, we're gonna do some pretty incredible things and where that takes us, we'll find out. Right. I think it's important for people just to understand where we come from, right? So started as rock financial 35 years ago, when you think about Rocket, people, you know, think about this big technology behemoth, but Dan Gilbert started this company with a couple of friends and his brother in Michigan. and It was a tiny little broker shop that eventually grew to become the number one lender in the United States. Edison is on a very similar mission. The advantage that we have is that we're well backed and we're learning from a lot of that along the way, but at our core, when you think about Edison and then rocket companies as a whole, it started with how do we create a better consumer experience? How are we a friend and an ally to the broker community? And what I would love people to know, especially as you know, we continue to grow here in Canada, is that Edison in many ways is trying to create a better consumer experience. And if we win, the broker community in Canada wins, the client wins. And I think it also helps us with hiring. We're bringing on mortgage agents every day. That creates a lot of opportunity across Canada if someone's interested in becoming a mortgage agent the way we do it.
0: Right. So if somebody's, how would they reach out to you? Somebody's listening this they're like, hey, this sounds.
1: I'd like to work for you guys. So two ways, edisonfinancial.ca would get you there or you could go right to our careers page, which is rocketcareers.com, find Edison Financial and search for mortgage agent and that's what we're most in need of right now, although we're hiring in a lot of different areas of our organization as we grow out marketing and technology and operations folks. So we're in need of a lot of great people. And it doesn't have to be someone who's, you know, a mortgage expert with years of experience. We also really take a focus on training people, developing people. We put them through a rigorous 120-day program to get them up to speed and teach them how to build a business. While we are, you know, a digitization platform and that we create, you know, a lot of leads through our online marketing efforts. I think often what gets lost is the relationships that we have with the realtor community, the financial advisor community, and a lot of the large strategic partners that we have that drive a lot of our revenue and our volume.
0: Right. That's awesome, man. Well, hey, it's exciting to see what you guys are doing. And thanks for coming on the show. I'll get you back on again at some point in the future and see how you guys are doing and you know i wish i would have trademarked edison financial cuz i just love the name but hey you can't have everything you want i got like
1: 500 <laughs> domains for some reason that's the one i didn't have so like what the heck i tell you to go you know trademark tesla his competitor but that's already spoken for so yeah exactly okay
0: man good chat with you beckham thank you scott Hey, so wasn't that an interesting conversation with the guys from Edison with just some of the stuff that they're doing? So keep your eye on this company. I'm telling you right now, they're going to continue to grow. They're going to be making waves. And it's always interesting to see how people adopt technology to improve processes, improve client experience. I'm interested to watch in the next couple of years what these guys roll out or roll into. In this next conversation I have is with Ben from Bloom Finance, or bloomfin.ca. They have the newest entrant for reverse mortgages in the country, and they got a pretty cool program. So Ben and I talk about how to close a reverse mortgage in 10 days or less. Have a listen. Hey, Ben, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, good to be back. So today's topic we're going to be talking about is how to get a reverse mortgage done in 10 days. So let's talk about that. Like, so if a mortgage broker is wanting to make this process efficient, they got a client that this fits for, walk me through what that would look like.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I think most brokers that like listening to this podcast probably have their process for a standard mortgage lockdown, right? They know exactly how to get a a mortgage done quickly for their client. Some brokers maybe aren't as familiar with the reverse mortgage process. So just a few tips to ensure their client sales through the reverse mortgage process. Okay, so the first thing to do is have your client get a few documents in order. So one of the nice things about a reverse mortgage is there's not a lot of document requirements. It's kind of a simpler process, right? Income isn't as important, for example, but there are a few documents that are required usually. So the first one is you know the insurance policy. Have to make sure that you know there's adequate insurance coverage on the property. The second thing is a property tax statement. Just want to make sure there's you know no arrears on the property, or, or if there are, you know, what is the amount so we know what needs to get paid out. And if they have an existing mortgage or a HELOC secured on the property. Good idea to pull that statement because reverse mortgages need to be in first position. So we'll need to pay out any existing debt on the property.
0: So that's basically it: insurance policy, property tax, existing mortgage or HELOC. So what about income? What things do you guys look at with income? Does it matter a lot? Like, I'm curious, what's that next thing?
2: Yeah, for sure. So one of the nice things again about a reverse mortgage is that you don't need a lot of income to qualify, right? Like we qualify people on the basis of just CPP and OAS income all the time. The reason for that is obviously that they don't need to make interest or principal payments so we don't care about their ability to pay back the mortgage. That being said, we do need to have comfort that they have enough income or savings or, you know, reverse mortgage proceeds to satisfy their property obligations, which is, you know, pay their property taxes on time, keep that home insurance policy in place, and, you know, be able to maintain the home over time. One of the nice things is that we don't usually have to ask for documents to prove income. Usually we just go off of stated income. But it's important that your client gets their income story pulled together. Understand, you know, what are they getting in terms of recurring income? What is the amounts? You know, pull that together. What are they getting in terms of CPP, OAS, pension deposits, et cetera, and have that ready to go for that initial conversation so that that doesn't become a bottleneck in the process. Right, okay, that makes sense. Okay, so what's the next thing? So documents in order, the income, even
0: though you're basically just making sure that it's to cover those key things, what are the things that they need to do?
2: Yeah, so the next step in the process is gonna be an appraisal. So if it's in a city, it's probably gonna be a desktop or a drive-by appraisal. If you're getting outside the city, it's more likely gonna to have to be a full appraisal. Now, you know, it seems obvious, but you know, in those cases, an appraiser is gonna be walking around the house with a camera. So sometimes a gentle suggestion that the client, you know, tidies up the house, makes sure it's in good shape is a good idea, right? Appraisers and underwriters aren't immune to bad first impressions. So you just wanna make sure that your client is ready and putting their best foot forward.
0: Right. Okay.
2: So desktop, it'll depend on the region, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Downtown Toronto, you know, more likely to be a desktop, you know, drive-by type thing. Getting out into rural areas, it's more likely gonna be a full.
0: You're full, okay. So documents, income organized, the appraisal, whether it's gonna be desktop or what other things would they need to be aware of?
2: Yeah, so the last step in the process, and if there's gonna be a bottleneck in the process if it's gonna slow down, it's usually here, is the independent legal advice process or ILA. So in Canada, it's usually a legal requirement for customers to get ILA in order to get a reverse mortgage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as most brokers probably know, real estate lawyers are a busy group, right, Uh, especially with all the transaction activity happening right now. So one of the good things to do is identify who that ILA is going to be in advance and book an appointment in advance. You know, like once you get, you know, the application in, it's a good idea to book an appointment maybe a week out. You can always push it back if necessary, but get in the lawyer's calendar such that the lawyer is ready to go as soon as the approval comes through and we can close up the transaction quickly. Okay.
0: So any sort of final thoughts on this This makes a lot of sense. And so have you guys been able to
2: close these in 10 days? Yeah, that's our record right now is 10 days. And so that's why I use that number. I think we can, we're trying to get that number down, but that is uh, so 10 is very
0: doable provided when you're organized. So exactly.
2: uh, Any last kind of thoughts or suggestions on this? Yeah. So just to summarize, just get a few documents in order you know, insurance policy, property tax, you know, mortgage statement. Make sure your client knows what they're getting in terms of recurring income, has that number, has the sources locked down. Remind them if there's going to be an appraisal, if it's going to be a full appraisal, you know, to tidy up and make sure their house is in uh, its best possible form for that appraisal. And then set that ILA appointment. Figure out who the ILA is going to be. Get that appointment in the calendar so that that doesn't become a bottleneck in the process.
0: Right. That's awesome, man. Well, Ben, thanks, brother, for taking the time to chat with us. If you're listening to this, I'd love to see you go check out bloomfin.ca and I'd love to see one of our listeners to be, hey, we did it in nine days because you show up, you know what you have to do. You know, you get the right client, the right situation and this is way less documentation than we typically have to get on any kind of file. So it should be a layup for most of you guys listening. So check them out. Thanks, Ben. Good chat with you, brother. Thanks a lot, Scott. All right. Hopefully you found these conversations useful. You know, great conversation with Bakim from Edison Financial, as well as Ben from Bloom Finance. And if you're listening to this, you're like, hey man, well, what I would recommend is go check out Brokering.com. You can keyword search every single podcast episode we've ever created, and you can find it to the word. So very powerful. It's totally free to do. Check out I Love Mortgage Brokering.com to do that. Also, if you're listening to this and you are making 100K plus a year as a mortgage broker and you want to do more volume with less hassle, we've got an academy called 10 Loans a Month. Go to number10loansamonth.com, get on the waitlist. We open it up a few times a year. We always sell out, but we always give an invite to people on the waitlist first before we do anything to the public. So you can check that out. And thanks again for checking out this episode. This is
1: an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.